I'm Alex and this is the Geordie Guide to Happiness. Welcome to episode nine. We're nearly in double digits. We're very glad you've joined us for another happiness interview. As always, I'm here in our virtual studio with the rest of the podcast team, Kath, Chris and Dom. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. How are we all doing this evening? Marvellous. Marvellous. Good. good. (laughs) Excellent. Good. (laughs) What have we been up to? I've been been making a a beer that tastes like orange hubba bubba. I saw that. (laughs) I saw that on your Twitter. I was like, what on earth? It really does. Yeah, did you amazing. did you mean it to taste like orange hubba bubba? Yeah, yeah, I actually oh, okay. meticulously nerded over the recipe and everything that any ingredient that I could find that was had anything like bubblegum hints to it were used until I crafted oh this beer that tastes just like orange hubba bubba. It's not actual bubblegum. No. Yeah, and it's eight yeah. <laughs> percent. Mercy. <laughs> oh and it's really God. doesn't taste. It's really light. Yeah, but yeah. So that cheered me up. You can still, <laughs> you can, you can still buy Hubba Bubba, can't you? I think I've yeah, seen yeah. it in the. I think the girls have maybe bought it as well. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I could, I could never, I could never do it. I could never achieve a satisfactory bubble with bubble Ever? gum. I know, I, no, not once. Oh, that's sad, isn't it? My, I feel unfulfilled. My, my thing was chewing gum. <laughs> Catherine, could you take the chewing gum out of your mouth at the back of the class there? <laughs> you rebel! Were, were, you, were you sticking it under the desk? <laughs> <laughs> Tried it once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew? I think we. Uh, I remember many years ago we got. Uh, my mum used to work at a secondary school, and I think they were getting rid of some old school furniture. So she she took a table. And we turned it over, and oh my god! Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, covered, covered in bits of chewing gum. <laughs> <laughs> Go, going back to the going back to the beer, Dom. <laughs> <laughs> Do you drink it in a sherry glass or just a pint glass? Just just slowly over the course of a night. Can't have more than one, really. To be sensible, I'll save some for the uh, for the podcast Christmas party. Yeah, for the rap doing. party, yeah, yeah, the rap party, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Shall we introduce this week's guest interview? Um, yeah, let's do it. I had a really good uh, chat with Charlotte, who I know through playing roller derby. I think I've mentioned that before. I play roller derby. Well, <laughs> once or twice. Not at- not at the moment, sad times, <laughs> but, you know, usually we're on track playing roller derby. I'm a jammer. She's a blocker. She is always a beast to get past on track when we're screaming in practice. <laughs> but when she's not playing roller derby, she works for a small northeast social mobility charity supporting young people. She loves making lists, which I can relate to, and lives for secondhand shopping. So here is Charlotte talking about what happiness means to her. <laughs> So, Charlotte, a very warm welcome to the Geordie Guide to Happiness. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Um, how's your day been so far? Yeah, it's good, and thanks for having me. Um, working from home, had a really nice breakfast and a really nice lunch, so I think that's about as exciting as lockdown gets, really, isn't it? <laughs> it's a strange time, isn't it? We're, we're all going through at the moment, working from home. So, Charlotte, we're 
obviously still in lockdown, things are starting to ease a little bit now. Um, and it's probably quite hard to sort of describe what a typical day for you is. But can you have a go at describing what a typical day is in the life of Charlotte? Is this pre-lockdown, during lockdown? Let's do a bit of both. Can we do okay. a compare and contrast? Yeah, I'm trying. If try you can remember. remember. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess now um, on a good day, I'll get up maybe about seven, half seven. I do like to snooze maybe two or three times. I, I won't lie and that is something that makes me happy is those um, stolen 10 minutes between the snooze buttons. I find that very exciting. Um, <laughs> and on a good day, I'll go out with my housemates and the little corgi that we live with, Dr. Watson. He loves um, playing fetch. So in the morning, we try and take him out for fetch as soon as possible because he's just so cute. And it's just a really great way to start your day. Yeah, on a bad day, I might roll out of bed at like quarter to nine, um, ready for a 9am start. Is that a bad day? <laughs> yeah, I think so, because I, you know, I like to make myself grand promises just before I close my eyes at night time. Um, we have flexi time at work, so I work for a small charity, we're a team of three, and we have flexi time, which is really good, but obviously on those days where you don't want to roll out of bed, you can... Um, steal some of the day away from yourself I think so um I come down have maybe like two or three cups of teas to start the day um and sometimes have you know my slice of toast at my desk as I get to my emails first thing um so at the minute we're just working from home probably have a zoom call with my team um work on the projects we've kind of got ongoing and um, we work with young people mostly with schools so just kind of contingency planning and staying in touch with them, doing some online events. Sometimes leftovers for lunch, which is, uh, you know, just such a luxury. I think that's been great. Um, maybe a little bit of a telly episode at lunchtime. I do quite like that. Oh, that's cheeky, cheeky TV yeah. episodes. I know. I'm trying to have a bit less screen time, but I am. I'm not afraid to say that I love television, and there has been some absolutely banging television out at the minute, and. Sometimes if I've gone to sleep on time, as you do to your schedule, um, <laughs> and there's like, you know, an episode, I'm, I'm not quite finished an episode, I might finish it off at lunch, which is quite nice, but it's hard not to let it carry on. Um, go back to it for the afternoon, feel a bit pumped by my great um, leftovers. Um, <laughs> that's, that's interesting, because sometimes after lunch, you get that post-lunch slump, so you go back to work pumps after lunch I think so I mean I really do love food so like having lunch I mean like the moment I've finished it I'm like what are we having for tea <laughs> my first one, but... you, you sound like my daughter she's always she's, she'll be eating her meal and be asking what the next meal is it's like a running joke in the house that like as soon as I put my fork down I'm like what, what are we doing tomorrow what, what's, <laughs> what's for tea the next day yeah 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 um and then you know I normally clock out of work about half five-ish, maybe a bit later if we've got things to do. But again, we're busy, but we've got a really good kind of work culture, you know, which is like we do what we need to do and we, we don't kind of work really late. Um, so then it's maybe a little cycle ride or maybe take the dog out. Or if it's my turn to cook, I'll get started with cooking. I might watch a little bit of television while I'm cooking. Oh, you devil. You devil. Tablets on their little stands. Um, that's like revolutionised my, my cooking experience. Might even watch a cooking show. It's like... Why not, you know? Live live a little. <laughs> totally. Yeah, so just trying to get out a bit in the fresh air. Um, but yeah, not much else really. Um, you know, put a wash on, 
That's quite exciting, isn't it? Um, Is it? Is it really? (laughs) (laughs) So do you have a happy, do you have a point in the day when you think you're at your happiest? You've touched on a few there already with the, Mm -hmm. you know, snoozing, putting the snooze on, lunch, um, cycling, washing. Is there a particular point in the day where you think that this is the peak? I am at my peak happiness today. So I think I'm probably most happy um, when I'm clocking off from work and that's not because I'm clocking off from work. I really enjoy my job. But I think knowing that I've got like a solid day's work behind me and I've um, kind of gone to work in spite of how I was feeling in the morning and managed to get things done. And then that the evening time is my own. Like I really like that. And I guess it's like all the possibilities of what you can do in the evening. Um, It's really different to how it used to be. I've always been quite a busy person and I'm quite guilty of like back to back in people, um, activities, not really leaving myself quite enough time to get from A to B. So um, at the minute, I'm definitely happiest clocking off from work, hopefully about half five, maybe starting cooking tea or thinking about what I'm going to do and just, yeah, having a bit of, of downtime, I suppose. I kind of wonder how on earth... I was doing what I was doing before lockdown, as you were saying before, just trying to squeeze in various clubs for the girls, activities for myself, work things. As you say, just the day just seems so ridiculously busy. Um, Have you found this lockdown time then a chance to just slow down a little bit? Yeah, definitely. And at first, I mean, I really didn't like it, but I think what I have learned about myself is I like to control things. So I think it would have always done me some good, but I probably never would have chosen it, if that makes sense. Um, so, I, yeah, I think just the, the not the worry of being a couple of minutes late, like all day, you know, because I think I try and get the most out of every day. So um, not rushing from one thing to another or having to say sorry as I leave one friend as I'm off to do something else. So, you know, just being able to kind of speak to people and also like spend a bit more time like, on my own doing things instead of like just being on my own from a to b but like yeah. actually having time like to enjoy um just being you know by myself or out cycling or just watching a bit of telly on my own that's been really nice because the only you know alone time i really used to have was just getting from a to b which ends up being quite a lot in a day i think so i normally get the good old metro to work um and you know like a drive as well so if I need to drive places but it's nice to actually have some time in one place where you're not en route yeah which has been really good yeah one thing that I'm not quite sure about is like I used to obviously commute to work and I don't know where that time's gone you know like it just seems to have evaporated into the snooze I think so I was gonna say it's the snooze (laughs) it must be it's tapping that snooze (laughs) I think for for me I, I have missed that sort of commute um as a way of differentiating home and work um but yeah that's the only thing I'd sort of think about that is that it's been it's been hard to kind of separate work and home sometimes um especially when I'm juggling various sort of part-time freelance kids stuff have you found it difficult to switch off from work yeah definitely particularly because um in the office that we work in there isn't really a culture of staying really late whereas when you're in the office I think it's just easy to think that needs to be done for tomorrow. So I'll just do it now. And then like, you know, dinner's being dished up and it's, it's a lot later than you wanted it to be. So I think it's the fact that you've kind of got to pack things up. And, you know, sometimes if you're the last one in the office or the lights are kind of getting turned off, you just know I need to go. 
Whereas, like, you know, nobody comes into my kitchen and says, like, it's time to leave now, Charlotte. So you do have to be quite disciplined, I think. And I think similarly, like, not just clicking on things that I might like to read. You know, like, so in the workday, like, just trying not to be like, oh, there's an advert on this website and I'm going to click through it. And I wouldn't do that in the office because that's not really the etiquette. Whereas I guess there's no established etiquette from working from home, um, really, because I only did it occasionally beforehand. And then you find yourself down some deep rabbit hole of uh, click-throughs and you've lost an afternoon. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, we do have to kind of keep on top with the news, especially about things like the school openings. And it's really hard. Like, even the BBC are quite good at, like, the little clickbait headlines. And I've had to be like, no, BBC, I am not going to get sucked into what you want me to get sucked into. <laughs> I ain't got time for this. Exactly. <laughs> So once you've clocked off, then you, you said before you, you quite liked to do a bit of cooking. Um, what's what sort of things make you happy to, to cook and to eat? What's yeah, your favourite? Good question. And I had I had thought about this um, and I guess it's not so much a cuisine or anything like that. But like my housemates, um, they're good at like stocking their cupboard. But it does mean sometimes there's like a rogue old packet of something that's not quite in date so for okay. example at the start of lockdown we had a packet of peanuts that were like one year out of date so I made it my mission to use them up so I guess like you know taking like these rogue ingredients the whole like lockdown legends I'd like to think of them I suppose um you know like the things that you don't really want to use like a packet of buckwheat things like that things that you bought with the best intentions but lockdown for me has been a really like great chance to just get those like outliers into a recipe and um make my housemates eat them yeah like like a proper ready steady cook yes exactly yeah definitely good old Ainsley and the ready steady cook out of date steady cook yeah I think that would be the, <laughs> the headline of the show do your housemates know you're doing this Yes. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I, I mean, I didn't say that I would out them as people who keep out of date peanuts, but um, hopefully that's just that's just an example, isn't it? I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Yeah. So you mentioned as well just then um, in your sort of uh, rundown of your typical day that you like to go out on your bike, um, being outdoors, being you know exercising. What what is it about cycling that? Um, brings you joy makes you happy yeah I should probably confess that um before lockdown I didn't actually cycle at all and I would probably say I disliked cycling um going back I mean I liked it as a child but as a teenager I had a boyfriend who was a great cyclist and we would go out often and he would like you know leave me far behind and I just didn't really like it before this but um and I didn't have a bike either I think I've got a bike in my mum's shed that probably doesn't work anymore but it was kind of what could we do in lockdown and my housemates kind of had a, a bike that they weren't using. It's like an old fixie, so it's got no gears. You know, you pedal backwards to brake. It's quite cool, very hard. Um, so I think it was it was more like the situation forced it. It wasn't that, like, I ever loved cycling. Um, but then just getting out and, like, feeling, you know, like the wind in your hair. And I think also just, like, exerting yourself a little bit because... And I think in, you know, like pre-lockdown life, back in the good old days, um, you would just do a lot more walking around and, you know, upstairs in the office and just like pootling to meet people. And I just felt so restless. Like I would be in bed at night and I'd just be like, oh, 
what is this emotion? And then I kind of figured out, like, I probably just needed to tire myself out. Mm. So just getting out on the bike, and we live quite near the coast, and um, I'd never cycled to the coast before. I'd only ever been in the car. And, you know, cycling places that I would normally drive is, like, buzzing. I'm just, like, not using petrol. It's better for the environment. I'm using, you know, like, the fuel in my body. Um, it's good for good for me, good for my heart, good for my head. And just, like, I absolutely buzz, yeah, just getting myself somewhere on the steam of my own two legs and two wheels where I would normally drive. Yeah. Can you can you describe that first time you um, cycled? What what did it feel like? Um, I mean, it was definitely hard. Um, I think the way the bike, the, like the way that the bike is, um, just how it works, I guess, means that if you sit back in the bike, it, it's quite a back heavy bike. So the first part of it was like, figuring out where to put my weight and that was quite funny um <laughs> maybe it would be like that with any bike you know like if you've not ridden in like a long long time it's probably been like 10 years really since I've properly cycled um so yeah we kind of live at the bottom of a, a hill so if you want to go kind of out of where we live you kind of have to cycle out of it so kind of at first I was a bit like what have I done should I turn around and just like the lead feeling of your legs I think and you know, but then you start to get those, like, you know, I think maybe the endorphins start to come and you start to think, like, oh, this isn't so bad. And then you just kind of keep on going. And it just, it felt like, just like freedom. And I think it was that, like, just expending some of the energy that I'd kind of built up and was, like, sitting on. And it just felt good. And I just felt lighter and, and happier. Mm. And, you know, I had a really good sleep after, even though I really didn't cycle very far at all. Like, with it being, like, the first time I'd done it in a long time, it felt like I was cycling for miles and miles. But just... Just like, yeah, free. And it was like kind of cold and it wasn't hot and it was a bit, yeah, just, it wasn't, you know, it was a bit overcast, but like that, I think that was perfect because I was like so warm and. I was going to say, it's probably perfect conditions to yeah. do it. You don't, you don't want it blazing hot, do you? Because uh, then you're sweating like a beast. But uh, if it's overcast, it's not so bad. Definitely. Where where do, you, where do you like to cycle? I mean, you mentioned the coast there. Mm. Have you got a favourite place that you like to go? Um, I would say I discovered the wagonways a little while ago. Yeah. So I'd, I'd walked on them before, but I hadn't really realised how good they are for cycling. So I live in Shiremore, so I like to cycle to um, North Shields. And on like a really good day, I will cycle along to kind of Tynemouth and then Whitley Bay and then come back, not on the wagonway, um, kind of back along like the A191. Um, and there's like really good cycle paths, like really all around where we live. We're really lucky. But um, again, like... In my mind, for some reason, like Whitley Bay and North Shields were so far apart. And then you cycle it and you're like, oh, they're really not. And it's actually very doable. So, yeah, I really like cycling to the coast and um, going and seeing the sea. And that's always really nice. And I try and do that like, you know, at least once a week is, is get to see the sea on the bike. But then we live also like really close to Northumberland. So you can kind of, of get that way too, up to like Seaton. Um, so... And I think the nicest thing actually sometimes is I, I don't really always plan a route. I'll just go down streets that I think are interesting or like places that I've maybe driven past and thought, oh, what's down there? Or even just to look at like the different kinds of houses, which sounds really boring. But like, I just like the idea that you go out and a street takes your fancy and then you end up like somewhere completely different. Um, and how it helps you to see how like places are linked to each other. I think that's really good like I've definitely got a better sense of like the geography of where I live now and um just like 
yeah, just, just seeing different areas, like, you know, residential bits that you wouldn't normally drive past. Like, we've discovered some, like, cute little fields to take the dog and stuff just by cycling around. So I do love a good, like, you know, um, ad hoc poodle around just thinking, oh, I'll go down the street. Or sometimes there's, like, a, a cute dog that you might follow for a bit just to, you know. I'm like um, that with Dachshunds. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I see a nice Dachshund. I'm, I'm the same. When I, when I go out for a run... Um, sometimes I like to have a set route so I know in my head how far I'm going to run. Um, but what's great about, yeah, as you say, being on foot, being on a bike, as opposed to being in the car is that there are so many cut throughs where we live and it's that whole, yeah, what's, what's down there? Oh, well, I'll just go down there and find out. And that adventure and yes, finding out how different roads and that connect to each other. I think I really enjoy exploring. Definitely. Yeah, and I, I think we're really fortunate as well in Newcastle that we've it's a great city, but then literally, you know, a couple of miles out, you've got glorious countryside, you've got the coast. It's like almost the sort of best of all worlds, really, isn't it? Oh, definitely. I'm from. I was. Um, I grew up um, in Chesterfield, a town in Derbyshire, and that's like very Midlands. It's like you no, know, just south of Sheffield, where the the north starts. Um, even though people might disagree with that, but I'll get that out there. Controversial. Um, <laughs> and for us, like going to the seaside was like a whole day trip extravaganza. And that seaside that, you know, that the seaside that we had access to there wasn't anywhere near as nice as the Northeast. So like for me to to live like in a 15 minute cycle from the sea is just like mind blowing. Like I will, you know, like WhatsApp my friends being like, check this out. And they're all like, that is beautiful. And I'm like, yes, I know. I've made a great decision. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's just it's everything isn't it like you know I had to do some essential shopping a couple of weeks ago and I just cycled to Silverlink along the wagon ways and like that was just as quick along in this in the bike as it probably would have been in the car with the traffic so it's like it really is amazing like how um how well connected everything can be and particularly when you kind of open up those like new ways of traveling like cycling so yeah I mean big up to the wagon ways it's amazing totally absolutely I agree can you perhaps tell me a little bit about, um, yeah, life before lockdown? What were you getting up to? You talked about, you, you discovered cycling uh, during lockdown. What were you doing before? Yeah, so I spend a lot of my time training um, with my roller derby team, Newcastle Roller Derby. Um, we train, so I'm part of the Kenny Belters, the A team, and we train on Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Sundays. Um, we do kind of drills, so um, working on our footwork, working on our team plays, figuring out what we might do in different situations. And then on Wednesdays and Sundays, we also scrimmage, which is where we play against each other. We play roller derby against our own team for practice. So I should probably say at this point as well that I also play um, roller derby with you. I'm one of your teammates and... Uh... Yeah, I'm a jammer. You're a blocker. So true. can you sort of describe for those people that don't know what what the difference, what what's what's the, what are the rules of roller derby? Oh, I, I do know them, but then I was talking about them. I never make them sound <laughs> um, very real. Um, so it's a full contact sport played on quad roller skates. Um, it's a really big um, women's sport which is really exciting and part of the reason why I joined it is I was so excited about all these like cool, strong females and I wanted to be one of them. Turns out you can be, that's quite exciting. Absolutely. Um, and um, you 
so the, say there's a black team and a white team, so in the black jersey and white jerseys, um, there's a jammer who wears a, um, a helmet cover with a star on. So the, the black team's jammer will try to get past the opposition's blockers. So there are four blockers on track. So blockers block the way for the opposing team's jammer and the jammer scores points by getting past them um, each, each um, opposition team. And it's played on an oval track and it can be really fast. It can be really slow. It's full contact. There are some rules about what you can use to hit. So you can use your hips and your kind of shoulders and kind of where you can um, make contact with um, and some kind of like offside type rules and things like that just to make it um, more exciting to watch, I suppose. I, I kind of describe the jammer as a bit of a pinball in a pinball machine where you're trying to sort of, yes, get your way through the pack. Um, it's very physical. Um, yeah. But what what is it about roller derby then that you keep going back to, to train and, and to your sessions? What, it, does it, it, it must bring you happiness then to keep keep going oh absolutely like roller derby has been like the biggest source of happiness in like my adult life I've never really been a sporty person I kind of played netball at school and did like cross-country running and I think like a lot of teenage girls I had a lot of kind of problems and misgivings about my evolving female body um and never really saw myself as athletic or strong and I did exercise and went to the gym because like I thought I should like it was good for you um not taking it taking medicine no one enjoys it but you do it because that's what you need to do to be healthy and I never really thought that I would find a sport that I loved to watch or play I just thought that I would be like one of those kind of like non-athletic type people and then like um about three years ago I saw an advert on Facebook for roller derby tryouts and I thought oh what's that Never really quad skated before, like not really even as a child, because I'm really quite clumsy and like walk into things all the time and just fall over my own feet. Um, so I thought, oh, well, I'll give it a go. Um, the first year that I, I saw it, actually, I saw it the year before, I kind of chickened out of it because I thought, oh, it's not really for people like me. I don't look particularly athletic. I'm like a very normal build, quite short. Um, and then the year after, I thought, no, I'm going to do it. I'd probably had a bit of a feminist awakening and thought, you know, like, sport is for everybody and also it is good for you um and I went along and just like was absolutely hooked it wasn't very good at first like you have to pass a safety test so that you can skate and I didn't pass the first time around and had to retake it but just kind of kept chipping away at it and kind of kept improving my skills and got a bit obsessed about like getting better um like with my footwork so footwork is like kind of working on your own personal skills and things like your ability to stop it kind of quick speeds and how to move across the track um and just got kind of a bit a bit obsessed with it really and like it really did bring me happiness to kind of see my progression and you know like physically I'm not that much different like it's not like I found a sport and transformed myself into like a major weightlifter or anything um but what it did made me appreciate is that like my body can do things I can train my body like I'd always felt like a very imprecise person and a very clumsy person but like actually I kind of put my skates on and I kind of get my game face on and like I can do really technically cool things and I can I can stop strong people and I can I can skate somewhat quickly I suppose it's not my forte but um just the fact that like 
that my body is something that can be trained and like I am an athlete now and I'm like really comfortable in saying that I don't always feel it every day but like you know I am a Royal Derby athlete and I play at quite a high level now which is like really exciting and something that like I never imagined and like kind of when I told my mum and dad so before lockdown we were due to go to a tournament in Canada that unfortunately got got cancelled oh yeah sad Um, times you know I'd never I've never been on holiday like outside of Europe like growing up we didn't have a lot of money and the idea that like I was gonna go with a team to Canada to play in a tournament is like mind-blowing I've been to Barcelona um with the team as well so with the B team the whipping hennies and like I remember just being in Spain like almost like crying in the airport because I was like how am I how have I got here like with joy like crying with happiness like the fact that like my body will do the things that I ask it to and sometimes like give more than I expect it to like that has been an absolute like revolutionary experience for me as a woman as a person you know like I didn't stop skating until I was 25 and that's still pretty young in roller derby terms like there's a lot of of gas in the tank for for how old you are and like some other sports perhaps it's like roller derby like makes me happy because it makes me feel good it makes me feel tired it's something to work towards you know like there's always goals and the game is always changing so because it's it's still a relatively new sport and um it's growing all the time like rules change for the better of the sport so things like contact rules or even rules so that the gameplay um can can happen better so that there's less stoppage time and that you can kind of get more out of game and spectators can enjoy it more like I enjoy the fact that like just as when you think you're refining your your gameplay the the goalposts change a little bit and that's quite exciting the fact that like you're never really done and I think maybe some teammates who've been playing a little longer might disagree Mm. or maybe the coaching um Mm. committee might disagree but I just really love that like with every kind of rule set or rule change that comes about, you've got to think about how that impacts almost everything that you do. And like, that is really exciting, I think. And just feeling happier in my own body because like before my body was very much something that existed and was like, and something that I looked at. It didn't, I didn't really felt like it did much. And of course it does, like it gets me, you know, around every day I walk, I do things, but it didn't feel that. Whereas like when I skate, I'm very much aware that like my body is kind of a machine and a, my brain asks it to do stuff and then my muscles deliver. And I'd never had that that kind of like own synergy or closeness with my own body before. So yeah, mm. it's been transformational. You mentioned Barcelona there. Have there been any particular moments um, for you in roller derby that have brought particular happiness or content- contentment? Um. Yeah, I guess there's a few. And and, I mean, they're all like actually quite underwhelming stories, but um, (laughs) I'll tell you anyway. So in Barcelona, we kind of went and played against teams who were um, higher ranked than us. So teams that were expected (laughs) to do better than us and actually were very good. And um, they were really hard. But I went as a, a kind of reserve skater in case in the event that somebody got injured. And um, unfortunately, one of our teammates did kind of get um, like a sore shoulder. So I was asked to skate for a little bit. So even the fact that I was trusted to go on against this like absolutely beastly Barcelona team and hold my own a little bit. There was like a really they were, great... They like, were beastly, weren't they? they yeah, <laughs> like made of steel and sangria. Just, I, I just bounced off them. <laughs> yeah, well, there was a moment, I don't know if you remember Alex, but it was like 
I had not been on for long and I was like the last one on the track, I think, or maybe someone had fallen over and I just turned around face on and you should never really face on a jammer because you can get things like penalties really easy. But it was just my instinct to protect myself and just like let the jammer hit me and their jammer fell over. And I just heard this like roar from our bench of being like, yeah. <laughs> I got like a temporary nickname of like the destroyer, which was very strange. It's not really my style, but. I think we should uh, bring that one back. Definitely. Yeah. Let's hope for the new season. That would be great. But just like being like, I just trusted my body to kind of stay in one position and, and like stay upright. And it did. And like, why do we expect our bodies to betray us so often as women? I don't know. But the fact that it just did what I asked it to, that was like really nice. And then when I played my first um, game with the Belters, so that's the Canny Belters are the A team, um, we went to um, Milton Keynes. There's a bit of a theme coming here, I suppose, because we um, got absolutely um, battered physically, I would say, mentally as well. Um, again, just like being there, like even just just being part of that and like, you know, sometimes somebody hits you legally and you get knocked down and you just have to get back up again. And just like, there was a bit where I got like winded a little bit and I just got back up straight away because I knew what my team needed wasn't for me to like take a few seconds to collect myself and get over my injured pride. My team just needed me to pop straight back up and stay in position. And again, like realising that I could be that for the A-team. I never imagined that I would skate with the Canny Belters when I first started skating at all. And sometimes I do have to be like, okay, this is real, you know, international travel. But yeah, just just again, like my body doing, my brain didn't even think about it in that case. Like my body was just like, get up, do it. You need to get up. And it was up before I knew it. So there was that moment there. And that, that just made me really happy to to know that like we'd been training for something and it was kind of coming together, you know, even though the outcome wasn't what we wanted, but just to kind of be there and to be part of the team and to be, you know, in some ways what the team needed me to be on that day was really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And you do spend a lot of time on the floor, don't you? If you get, and as you say, it's that whole getting back up again. It's just not, not an option not to, isn't it really? You know, it's just going to get back up and, and uh, carry on. None of this rolling around on the floor malarkey. Definitely. Um, That's one of the most important things you can learn, I think, is like, you know, like small and fall, I think we talk about and your minimum skills, which is where you kind of learn to skate and pass the safety test. And um, just like get up, just get up quick, just do it. Like, yeah. And even that, like it, it's really like you just have to put like your pride aside sometimes. I think that's really useful. Like you can take that into the workplace and probably you know, into friendships. That like sometimes like your pride is in the way of progress. Like mm. just get up. Doesn't matter if you're falling down. Doesn't matter if you might fall over again. Just try. And that's mm. really and yeah. I just I just love roller derby. It's I don't know. Watching it makes me happy. Thinking about it makes me happy. Like even even sometimes falling over can make you happy. <laughs> I quite enjoy it now. I don't, sometimes I don't even notice that I've fallen. Does that make sense? You just absolutely you, you, yeah. you're in there in the game and you're playing it, and you don't actually notice that you've fallen down a few times. Um, yeah, so I think that's really yeah. Just keep going. Yeah, and you know what? Good knee pads definitely make me happy. They make my knees happy for yeah. sure. Good knee pads make me happy. Good knee pads. Yeah. Also, you know, like I think roller derby has got it's got like a very like visual aesthetic to it so like like kit is all like leopard print kit like stripey kit like there's definitely a recognition that like people don't just buy knee pads because they're protecting these but also because they're rainbow colored mm-hmm. so like i really like that aspect of roller derby where they've not gone like 
it's not just about the performances it's like this is cool so people will buy it so yeah. stripy laces i've got a pair of glittery laces that definitely make me happy good good merch is important absolutely and i know dr watson's featured on a few bits of merch hasn't he he's a, a yes. bit of a cover cover star when it comes to roller derby yes dr watson the corgi my four-legged housemate which is funny because I don't think his like body shape probably is that compatible with the roller derby, but you know, like it is for everybody. It really is, even corgis with tiny little legs. So. Do you think would he be a blocker or a jammer? Do you think? Well, I I always thought a blocker, but then when I see him go after a ball, I'm like, wow, you are actually really fast. Mm-hmm. Like, don't don't let his like chunky little body fool you. Like he's like strong and quick. Like he's great. Yeah, I think we would just have to like. I don't know, have somebody run around with peanut butter to make him go faster. What what else brings you happiness then, Charlotte? Yeah, this is quite a boring one, um, but I will tell you anyway, and I think go for what's it. probably coming across is that I'm, I'm a very boring person, but I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, having a little sort, I don't know if other people do this, but like when you, you know, you've got your clothes in your drawers or like your makeup or your skincare or whatever, and just like, having a little peruse and tidying it up and dusting it. And, you know, I think probably, again, before lockdown, I was like a very avid window shopper and I did like a browse. And I think you know, that's something I always did when I was younger with my mum is we would just kind of go shopping to have a look-see. And we can't do that at the minute. And I've always kind of liked having a bit of a sort out, but just taking stock of your things and like shopping your stash. So like sometimes I want to order something online. But I'm like, I probably have something very similar already that I've forgotten about. So I go away, have a little sort, and lo and behold, I've already got something really similar. So, yeah, just taking stock of the things that you already have and the fact that you don't need to buy more and remembering, like, what things you do have. So it's a bit of, like, a joke in our household that I I will just go and have a sort for fun. And, um, yeah, it's not a joke. It's true. I do. I I love sorting through my bits and, you know, like, your jewellery, like, hanging it all up nicely because even when, you know, you're at home in lockdown, like, you still kind of don't always like um, treat things with the right care, right? So just making sure that like all your nice things are um, hung up. Yeah. I I found six pairs of jeans in my wardrobe. I thought because my my the current pair that I've been been wearing for a while, which are kind of my my favourite go to pair, I kind of need to replace them now. And I was all set to buy a new pair, as you say, online without trying them on, which is always dodgy with jeans. And I had a look in my wardrobe. And I'd kind of forgotten that I had all of these different pairs of jeans. And I thought, I'm sorted. I don't need to buy more. Um, and you kind of, yeah, you forget that you've got things in the cupboard. And I think we're so obsessed with buying stuff sometimes. Um, and I love buying things to give to people as gifts. I love buying little treats for the kids or um, or the husband or, or whoever. Um, but, yeah, we do seem to be obsessed with buying things. Yeah, and I think that can be like, you know, quite a short-lived happiness in lots of ways because, you know, I think lots of us are trying to find a way to be more environmentally conscious and to to think about things in terms of more sustainability, which sometimes means, you know, things can cost a little bit more and buyer's remorse is real. And also, you know, even if you want something, sometimes buying it doesn't, doesn't make you happy because you think about everything else that that means, you know, consumerism, capitalism... So I think, yeah, go and have a look and see what you already own. Like, it can be, it does make me happy because I think that I don't need things to make me happy. And also, like, look at all these, like, 
you know, beautiful and lovely things I already have. Like, you know, particularly I like to buy things when I go to visit places. So it might be like, you know, like a scarf or like a vintage cardigan or, and I'm, I love charity shops. So I, I will go in a charity shop on holiday anywhere. Yeah. And just like, you know, the, the memories that are tied to things, it's, it's so much nicer, isn't it? Than just kind of, like you say, like um, just buying them because you kind of need them. So, yeah. I'm I'm a bit of a moniker from friends when it comes to kind of cleaning and tidying and I do like a good sort out, a good clear out and we cleared the garage out last weekend and I know this sounds very mundane but it was so good to be able to walk through the garage without tripping up over all our stuff. You know, just, yeah, as you say, little things like that and then, you know, you turn the light on and, my God, I can, I can see the floor. This is great. And I swept it and it was brilliant. I was in my element. It was great. Yeah, and I think that's one thing as well, like taking stock of like your bits or the things that you want to get rid of. It's like the little jobs that you're probably meaning to do for years, like, you know, like sewing a, a cuff back up or something. Like, I think we've all, well, not all of us, but lots of us have had time now to kind of be like, I should probably do that thing I've been putting off for a while. And like just taking care of the things we already own. Like, I think we're all aware now that we've probably got more than enough possessions. Like when you're sitting in the house surrounded by them, you're probably like, maybe I do own too much stuff. So actually, like, you know, taking care and make making do and mending has been, like, a really nice part of lockdown. Just getting around to those things that you've probably been thinking about doing longer than it would actually take to do it. But you just, you know, can't seem to, to find the time. So it's been nice to, to, yeah. to have the time. Definitely. So we've we've mentioned lockdown a few times, and I think, you know, the other episodes that we've recorded so far have, you know without doubt people have talked about it because it has been such a sort of world changing life changing time for us all um have you found or do you find external factors affect your happiness levels or do you feel in control of your sort of levels of happiness i def yeah i definitely am impacted by like external factors so um you know when it's busy and I feel like I don't have enough time I don't give myself time to to do the things that I enjoy sometimes and I think I probably realize that now so like before lockdown and um, when I was busy I would stop doing the things that I wanted to do maybe because they to me weren't at the top of the priority list mm. so I think yeah so you know if work is a bit busier or um kind of some of my like voluntary commitments if they got a bit busier then I would let the things that I enjoyed or, you know, relaxing kind of slipped down the list. So I think, yeah, like the fact that I would prioritise, um, you know, things that the environment um, kind of for, so if, if, if it's busier. So definitely external factors affect me, yeah. But I think I'm, I'm somebody who can kind of, I do try to see like the best in every situation and kind of see things as um, like part of our own development. So for me, like, I think what makes me happy is feeling like I'm always moving towards being better or, you know, improving, whether that's kind of in my job or in my hobbies or, you know, like new recipes. I just like to feel like I'm on the way to to um, developing myself. And, you know, I was thinking about happiness beforehand, like, you know, thinking about this podcast. And I don't think happiness is about, like, being at the end of your journey, is it? Like, sometimes when you finish something, actually it doesn't make you happy you can kind of like mm. grieve that experience and you think well I've got all the skills like I know at university I had a great time but for me actually when I went to university I thought it was all about the certificate actually you know like gradu graduation and graduating was really bittersweet because 
actually like it was the journey getting there and like all the hard times and all the good times Mm. so just always like being on a journey to to developing something I think is is what what makes me happy and, and how I can try and influence my own happiness so you know even when things are busy trying to be like well this is what I can learn from this situation um so so you mentioned university there do you do you find or have you thought or maybe not um has what makes you happy changed through age as well yeah definitely I, I think I, and I think I've, I've kind of mentioned this before but like I really do enjoy television like I've kind of got no shame about that I know that um some people kind of say oh it's quite an inactive thing or everyone enjoys television but like I really do love television and films um and I really enjoy them and you know that for a long time I think particularly when I was at university um I was surrounded by like a lot of intellectual people and you know I was the first day in my family to go to university so I, I did feel like a fish out of water for a lot of the time and for me it was like a secret happiness and a secret enjoyment where I would like you know go and binge watch peep show um and not really talk about it and people would be like oh I've been reading all this philosophy and I'd be like oh cool um <laughs> but for me yeah like actually like I, I do love television and like now I'm a bit older I'm like of course I'm allowed to love that like that's completely fine and you know it is still it's still you know culture and um I think you know perhaps there's maybe some kind of class views on what culture matters more or less Mm. um and I think you do absorb that as you go on in life but like actually telly makes me really happy I did an English degree and I love reading and I, I do I do read but I still love television and I'm not ashamed to say that yeah I will shout it from the rooftops I think just being more comfortable with it and and knowing that your time is your own, I think that's something at university that it's kind of hard in some ways to be happy because it feels like it's a very like specific three or four years of your life. And you kind of feel like while you're in that environment and surrounded by all these great people and intelligent people and motivated people that like maybe you shouldn't take time for yourself. Maybe you should always be, you know, doing a bit of course reading. Maybe you should always be joining new societies. So mm. I think I found like trying to be happy at university quite difficult because I very much put put kind of place a lot of importance on like again that development rather than like the just being um so I think it, yeah it has changed and it has stayed the same in some way but I think like now I've yeah. kind of got more I've given myself like more permission to watch telly which <laughs> is a very strange thing to say but hopefully some people can relate to so I think we're sort of coming to the end of our interview now Charlotte it's been a pleasure talking to you but before we go We've been asking people kind of what their recommendations for people to to help them live a happy life, uh, get a little bit of happiness into their life. What would you what would you say to people listening about about that? I think just like be really honest about what it is that you enjoy, because like we're all individual people. And I think there's sometimes like a pressure to like have very like, you know, hobbies and interests that are very like active. You know, that that's a really valid thing. But like tap into like what you really enjoy so you know if, if that's gaming like if that's watching telly if that's reading if that's just having a candle on and having a little lie down like just be honest about what kind of makes you happy I think because I know I didn't for a long time and I feel much better now um you know talking about how much I love telly <laughs> and I think as well like try not to tie happiness too much in like things because that's something certainly that I've kind of been caught by in the past is like 
I do enjoy browsing, but actually for me, the joy is probably in the browsing and having a look. Whereas like when you actually get the thing, how long does that happiness last? So, you know, like it's really nice to to see what's out there in terms of like products or new stuff. But like, I don't think that things really bring us happiness truly. And that's quite an easy hack. I would say like definitely try out having a little sort. I mean, sort your belongings. I start with a drawer. I can't tell you how much joy it brings me just to tidy up my belongings. Like I'm probably going to go down as like the most boring podcast guest in history, <laughs> advocating people do a little sort. But like you'll find out you actually have lots of nice things already. And like things like discovering old like board games and stuff like you already own those things. You're just not making use of them. And it's like it's like free things that you forgot you had. Like it is yeah. exhilarating. Yeah. I found a few lovely little notebooks in, in a drawer the other day, which I forgot I had, which I hadn't even used. And I was like, get in because you cannot beat a good notebook definitely you're like you know past you like well done mm, thanks <laughs> as if i knew <laughs> well thank you so much charlotte for talking to me today it's been a pleasure um thank you well thanks for having me and obviously thanks to newcastle for for keeping me here so that was my chat with charlotte kath what did you think I thought there was such a lot in this in this interview to to comment on, and I mm. could go f- to, from the profound, but I'm going to start with the ridiculous, um, yeah. the penis conversation <laughs> 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 about using up the uh, ingredients that she found in the back of the cupboard and feeding it to her uh, flatmates. Um, I I just thought that was that was incredibly creative and I could sense the feel-good factor in that um, because that's what I'd been doing not, not feeding it to anybody but um, but finding things in the back of the cupboard in the lockdown and thinking I am not going to throw this away I am going to use it but it was so but I funny. Think, I think we have a real um, thing in this country don't we about chucking away food as soon as it reaches its kind of best before mm. date and I was mm-hmm. eating two week out of all out of date biscuits today and they tasted great mm. so we should have a competition to see who had the the furthest <laughs> out of date <laughs> oh Ooh, that could get out of hand really quickly oh yeah. man but I, i'd watch it <laughs> <laughs> well that's no. it this is like like last week we we, we had a TV show to pitch last week. We've got a TV show to pitch this week. I'd, I'd love to write an out-of-date steady cook. Sorted. On a slightly more serious note, um, I thought it was amazing how she had analysed um, the change the change in her working life and having, and having a bit more time for herself um, mm. and actually coming to terms with that and realising that life still went on. Um, because she works tremendously hard, you, you just got that sense. But so it, it was really nice to hear that she she'd reworked her timetable, and I think she'll live with that for for a while now in the future. Mm. Yeah, so go good girl, good for you that one. Mm. So that was me. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I I agree that whole. Um, I think a lot of people are kind of starting to reevaluate that whole sort of work life balance thing and yeah that that commute to work and rushing and all of that sort of thing um yeah it's going to be an interesting way to carry on working possibly in the future we'll just have to wait and see mm. don what about you 
Yeah, I kind of found a, I found Charlotte to be a kindred spirit. Hearing her talk about the snooze button on her alarm, but most importantly, thinking about food uh, <laughs> while she's having food. And I, I've got a question for her if she would ever feel like getting back to us on social media. Is I was wondering when she watches cookery shows while she's cooking, does she watch them making the same thing she's cooking or something different? And how does she cope with, if it's a different thing, how do you cope with that? That's like rubbing your stomach and patting your head, isn't it? It's just, so I need to know. I've got more questions for her than answers. You could end up with some very interesting dishes after that, couldn't you? Just What earth were you making? Well, part of my brain was making macaroni and cheese. The rest of it was doing roast chicken. And peanuts in as well. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of that episode of Friends when when Rachel is making the trifle and the mm. two pages of the cookbook get stuck together. So she makes part trifle, part shepherd's pie, I think it was. <laughs> and jo- Joey, of course, loves it and just eats it. But uh, everyone else is like, oh, my God, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> yeah, I, I thought you'd appreciate the food bit there, Dom. Yeah, I definitely did. Yeah, yeah, we should probably never meet. <laughs> <laughs> what about you chris uh well it's always nice to hear from another cyclist uh which is uh, which is good uh, like lucy a couple of weeks ago um also also from a kindred spirit point of view um it was interesting to hear that she uh she came from the chestfield area because uh, actually that's where both our kids were born we used to live um sort of around there and i, I completely get that feeling of being in the middle of the country and, and not being near the sea mm. and and that kind of desperate need to kind of find the edges and, and get out to the coast and, and, and go and paddle in the waves or even just kind of see the sea. And that's something which keeps coming up, isn't it? In the podcast say, all the way yeah. from and, and Cleves all the way through, you know, so many people have talked about the coast and how that's a real yeah. source of happiness yeah. when you're when you live around yeah. here. Because Joe talked about that as well, didn't she? Because she mm. grew up sort of down that way as well and, and that, that desire to be near the coast and uh yeah not be yeah. able to get to it easily. Mm, interesting. The, yeah, I mean, the other interesting thing she talked about was um, kind of body image and, and happiness in, in your own body, which I thought was a really, really good thing to hear somebody talking mm-hmm. about. Um, yeah. Because that's, you know, it, it, in today's society where we're, we have this kind of unattainable ideal of what all our bodies should look like uh, and, you know, what we should be doing with them and all that stuff, actually that just having, being comfortable in your own skin um, and... Just kind of letting your body do what what it can do, um, and getting enjoyment out of that. I think it was uh, it was it was great hearing her talk about that, and I, I, I'm I'm going to go back and have a listen to that thing because it was uh, it was really yeah. quite a profound. But I think, and and that's that's the beauty of roller derby is that it embraces all body types. There is a place in the game for every single shape and size and height, and everyone can play it. It doesn't matter. Uh, what your body shape is you know it sometimes is, is great to be a little bit bigger to be a really strong blocker but there are other people who are slighter build and mm. are amazing blockers as well so it's it's a sport that just embraces everyone and that's what's so wonderful about it yeah. there was there was one word in that in that part of of the interview that really struck me um, because again the, the the body image and how how she'd appreciated get that her body would would work for her and she mm. could improve on it, that sort of thing. But then she she just mentioned one one word and that was transformational. 
and the, the feeling behind that was was incredible and uh, um i i can't relate to roller derby in and of itself but, <laughs> um but my in my world I, I would equate exactly those feelings with how i feel in the garden and it it just made a link between all these sporty people and cyclists and uh, and and other the the, the other people <laughs> like me who um that, that that on an emotional level that one really hit me um with with a sense of community commonality yeah which mm-hmm. was lovely it's a really good observation that yeah so that was my chat with charlotte um another brilliant interview um they've all been great so far it's just been it's been great to hear all of the different um stories and threads coming through as well as we've Mm. been saying you know there's there's been a few things coming up a few different times but every single interview has been different as well which is which is fab um if you've been inspired by this podcast episode then we'd love to hear from you um please do get in touch we'd love to hear your stories and opinions on what happiness means to you you can get in touch via email hello at the Geordie Guide to happiness.co.uk or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Geordie Guide um, or on Facebook, the Geordie Guides to Happiness. I should also mention our funders. This project wouldn't be possible without support from the Newcastle Cultural Investment Fund at the Community Foundation. So thank you so much for your support. Next week, we have Steve Drayton, who is an entertainer and producer at the BBC. I know you know him, Dom, through a few different um, Mm -hmm. projects in the past. Um, He was also involved in producing content from here in the Northeast for the Radio 4's Listening Project. We had a really good chat about comedy, producing things in sound, as well as what makes him happy. So you'll hear me ask Steve questions like this. So what do you think a person needs to do to be happy? And hear him give answers like this. I think we just need to slow down a bit. Like there's this whole thing, oh, we get... It's really weird, I've, been, I've not been at work in the office for months. So when I go back and I'm in the office, I'm hearing the news every half an hour. And there's lots of phrases being banded about, like, when things get back to normal. And, and it's not going to happen like that. We've got, I think, I think just take your time. So we've reached the end of another episode. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed listening to the Geordie Guide to Happiness so far. Take care and see you all again soon.